I am excited to be here. I want to share something with you really quick. Mom and Dad were watching TV when Mom said, I'm tired and it's getting late. I think I'll go to bed. She went to the kitchen to make the sandwiches for the next day's lunches, rinsed out the dessert bowls, took meat out of the freezer for supper the following evening, checked the cereal box levels, filled the sugar container, put spoons and bowls on the table, and started the coffee pot for the brewing the next morning. She then put some wet clothes in the dryer, put a load of clothes into the wash, ironed a shirt, and sewed on a loose button. She picked up the game pieces left on the table and put the scoring book back into the drawer. She watered the plants, emptied a waste paper basket, and hung up a towel to dry. She yawned and stretched and headed for the bedroom. She stopped by the desk and wrote a note to the teacher, counted out some cash for the school outing, and pulled a textbook out from under the chair. She signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed and stamped the envelope, and wrote a quick list for the supermarket. She put both near her purse. Mom then creamed her face, put on moisturizer, brushed and flossed her teeth, and trimmed her nails. Hubby called, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she answered. She put some water into the dog's bowl and put the cat outside, then made sure the doors were locked. She looked in on each of the children and turned out a bedside lamp, hung up a shirt, threw some dirty socks in the laundry basket, and had a brief conversation with the one child still up doing homework. In her own room, she set the alarm laid out clothing for the next day, and straightened up the shoe rack. She added three things to her list of things to do for the next day, and about that time, her hubby announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed, and he did. <laughs> is that not pretty much how it is? It seems like um, for mothers, life never stops. And yet we try to set aside one day. Well, I guess I won't take all of the glory. The truth is, one of our presidents, Woodrow Wilson, decided we would have one day a year where we would set aside the second Sunday of May and honor our mothers. And I figured he did that so that the mothers could make it the rest of the school year. <laughs> because it is difficult to do that. At age four, my mom can do anything. At age 12, mom doesn't know everything. At age 14, mom doesn't know anything. <laughs> age 18, mom's out of touch with my reality. At 24, mom knows maybe a few things. At 34, at 35, something happens in that year, I guess, before, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion age 45. I wonder what my mom would say about this. And age 65. I wish I could talk to my mom just one more time. Mm. It's interesting to me, the moment I first realized how much my mother loved me was the moment I held my firstborn child in my arms. And I looked into his eyes and I thought, how does any mother love anything this much and survive? And my mom did it six times. 
Man, you talk about somebody full of love. My mom had to have more love than most people. But we want to focus on moms today, and I I do have, you know, a scripture. Don't panic. We are going to talk about the Word of God. But I want us to focus on three specific things that all moms have. So I kind of gave this a little catchy name, Mom Has Got This. We want to look at three things that moms have. Now, I'm going to read to you from the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is in the Old Testament, and it's in. if you take it in chronological order, the book of 1 Samuel was written after the children of Israel were again. And, you know, they're a lot like our children. Like, they do good for a while, then they mess up, then they do good, then they mess up, then they do good, then they mess up. And every time they come back and say, if you forgive me this time, I promise I won't do it again. And every time, the children of Israel would do that, and they would be right back in trouble again. Well, here we found, in this context, the children of Israel had gotten in trouble again, and they were uh, really struggling because they had no one to lead them. And the Bible actually says it was rare that there was... Actually, this statement is, the word of the Lord was rare in that time. It was rare that they would even hear God speak to them. So what happened was God decided I'm going to have to fix this problem and he did what he always does because he's a wise God. He found a woman. Now, I know you think I'm just being facetious, but there are women in the Bible, and from the beginning all the way to the end, you will see women, mothers, active in prophecy, in uh, providence, providence in God's plan for his people you'll see it from the beginning all the way to the end and this is what I want us to look at I want you to think about just so you're not confused we'll give you an example let's talk about Jochebed Jochebed is the mother of Moses and she's the one who made that wonderful healthy safe decision to put her newborn child in a basket and float that child down the river yes that really happened it's in the Bible And here's what happened. That child that she trusted God enough to float down the river ended up in the house of the Pharaoh in charge of so many things in Egypt where God's people were in bondage. And that was Moses who grew up in the house of the Pharaoh but followed God in leading God's people out of bondage. Jochebed was wise to obey God. If you keep going, I can tell you about Ruth. Ruth is one who was married and her husband died. And then Ruth, that's a long story, but I'm going to go quick. So then Ruth decides to go with her mother-in-law to a place she's never been before, simply deciding that this has got to be better than where I am. Have you ever done that, Mom? I know you have. Every time you get one of those cruise advertisements, this has got to be better than where I am right now, right? You got, you got to have something better than this, right? So she goes with him. There she ends up meeting Boaz, and she marries him. And in that union, she becomes the great-great-grandmother of David. Wow, isn't that amazing how God just saw ahead of time? What about Esther? You know, we've studied Esther recently, and we've realized that there is a providential ribbon that runs through her life where God chose the circumstances that did not make sense in the beginning of her life and brought them all the way to a point where she ended up leading 
safety and wholeness and deliverance for God's people because every time God needed to awaken someone he would try and find a solid woman I love that I want to talk to you specifically about what God has in plan for us but if we look at our text, which I'm going to read to you really quick, it's in 1 Samuel beginning in verse chapter 3, only because I don't like to read chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3, because it has all these weird names. So we're going to begin with 3. They're going to put it up here because I don't have my glasses. Now this man, and she's, she's talking about a man named Elkanah. I know that sounds weird. His name is Elkanah, and he is married to a woman named Hannah. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Now, hold on just one moment. What I want to show you here is something that I realize all throughout the Word of God that is mirrored in our true life every day. I am very conscious that in this moment, in this room, there are a lot of different types of mothers. There are mothers here who have lost a child. They join me in that horrendous group where we've had to bury a child before we got to go home. There are those here who just recently had their mother pass away and they're dealing with that grief today. There are mothers here who are struggling because they're in a place where they cannot see or visit or hear from their children. And then we also have women here who long to be mothers, who struggle with infertility and have tried a long time to have children. That type of a mother is who we're going to talk about in a few minutes in the Bible. But it's interesting to me that no matter what your heartache is, your enemy continually flaunts that in front of you. Whatever it is, whatever separation from a child, whatever that is, the enemy is continually making you miserable and flaunting it in front of you. But be of good cheer because God loves you more than that broken place in your life. And his plans are always good. Let's keep reading really quick. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Well, he sure wasn't paying attention. You see, moms have problems. One, number one, the things that moms have, three of those, number one is moms got problems. This lady, Hannah, she had some problems. One, she was married to a guy. Obviously, they really loved each other. But in that culture, if you are married to a woman who cannot give you children, you legally have permission to marry another woman. That is a problem. In fact, let me just go on record real quick, tell you, Pastor, we will have a problem if another wife shows up at my house. That's a problem. 
And she had to deal with that. Not only did she have to deal with the presence of another woman, but another woman who could give her husband what she could not, who continually reminded her, you're not enough, you'll never measure up, you can't do it, nah, 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 all the time in her face. The word says even when they went to church, that woman didn't even know God, obviously. But it's a sad thing when that happens because your enemy continually reminds you you don't have it. You, but, the, but the husband was smart because he goes, wait a minute, what's wrong? Why are you sad? I want to slap the man. What do you mean? Why is she sad? Let's see why. Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Now picture this. They're eating at the table, and the priest is watching. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant but will give to your servant a son then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head as she continued praying before the Lord Eli observed her mouth Hannah was speaking in her heart only her lips moved and her voice was not heard therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman and Eli said to her how long will you go on being drunk put your wine away from you now, this, these men in this story really need some help. She is broken and hurting, and she is crying so hard. One portion of Scripture listed as she wept sore. Her eyes are swollen. Her, she is so broken in the inside, she can barely even speak the words that she's praying at that moment. And all this priest can do is accuse her of being drunk. I am beginning to think we're seeing... Um, a habit form here let's keep going but hannah answered no my lord i am a woman troubled in spirit i have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but i have been pouring out my soul before the lord do not regard your servant as a worthless woman for all along i have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation then eli answered go in peace and the god of israel grant your petition that you have made to him and she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord amazing to me she recognized that not only had she wept sore but she also recognized when she got the thing she asked God for that she should praise God for that now how many of you remember because we just read it not 20 seconds ago what did she say she would do if he would give her a son What's interesting to me is we all do that, don't we? We make a deal with God. Now, God, if you just do this, I promise you, oh, God, I'm going to do this. And when it happens, whoo, he's done what I asked. But we forget what we promised. But the truth is, later on, she does take her son at three years old to the church, and she leaves him there. 
She leaves her son at the church. Now, I know you think that's strange, but that was her deal with God. Her son would be raised up in the service of the church, in the service of God there. But uh, today, if one of us left our child at the church, we'd be in trouble. In fact, I surely recall that my mom had six kids. And when we were growing up, one time my mom accidentally left one of her kids asleep on a pew at the church. It's like 1.32, and my mom realizes there's a child missing. She goes back, and we find the child there in the presence of the Lord, still sleeping. But the truth is, we sometimes have to recognize that we will make deals with God when we are desperate, and God does ask us to keep our word. I want to go on and talk to you about the problems that moms have because obviously you can see that in her culture she had a lot of problems, but today we do too. In fact, I wouldn't be crazy to uh, imagine in this room there are problems with finances, problems with relationships. We have problems with our children and problems with our children's father, teacher, uh, grandparent. Uh, we have a lot of problems. Sometimes we have trouble separating reality from truth when it comes to our problems because sometimes we made the problem. In fact, I like to tell women that at Walmart. When I hear them 15,000 times saying, I'm going to whoop you if you do that again, and I just start singing, liar, liar, pants on fire. But I know there's a problem, and I know we have to fix it. I know moms have great problems, but number two, moms also have great promises. When I have a problem I cannot handle, I gather it up, and I take it to the promise that covers it. In fact, I can't think of a problem I've ever had as a mother that I could not cover with a promise from God. The truth is I was able all the time to go back to the Word of God and find a promise. I decided a long, long time ago, actually when I got married, I decided I wanted to be a wife that you would find in the Bible, not like this woman because there is no other woman going to go to church with me married to my husband. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But I wanted to be the kind of wife that was described in that everything she did honored her husband and that her husband was known in the gates and that he was respected because of the things that she did. I always wanted to be that kind of wife. And when I had children, I wanted to go back to the Bible. I wanted to find in the Word of God, how do I be a good mother? And I wanted to look at all the rules and all the guidelines. But somewhere I missed the celebration of that, the excitement of the fact that I could be a good wife and my husband could be known in the gates and it could be a great thing because I continually felt like I will never be enough the same thing with a mother as a mother I, I followed the word of God my children can still quote scripture to me today I threw at them when they were children be ye kind one to another I could quote things for them and they knew they were in trouble they just quote the scripture before I ever corrected them they already knew the truth is I wanted to find the promises in the word of God and then live according to them so that when I do have something I can't handle I can lean into the sovereignty of God the fact that God can handle all the things I cannot handle brought me a lot of peace as a mom because trust me raising Kaylee there was a lot I could not handle I'm just being real 
Honestly, if you think about it, my pain is covered by the promise, but so are my questions. The things I did not understand, there's a promise for them. The nights when I worried all the time. I'll give you an example. I'm not picking on her, but let me just explain. I have trouble with fear and anxiety. I feel like I'm at an AA meeting. My name is Judy Kennedy, and I struggle with fear and anxiety. I worry about my children more than anything in the world, and I'm asking God to bring peace of mind. So I claim the promise of God. So Kaylee turned 16, and she got her first car, and eventually, obviously, we got uh, her driver's license, and Dad just happened to be out of town working at Hurricane Hurricane Harbor. <laughs> Hurricane Harvey helping with disaster relief but she wanted to drive because she had her license and a car so she wanted to drive to school so all her friends could see her car and so here I am I'm asking him what do I do he says let her drive I say are you crazy and he says no so I made a deal with her okay you can drive your cute little green Mustang to your school and all your friends can see but I'm just gonna follow about three cars back so I can make sure that you're okay because that was important to me. Don't you wish we could go everywhere with our kids and make sure they're okay? But we can't. So I, that day, decided I would find a way to do it, and we did. We stopped off at Albertsons to go in and get some pencils and pens, some things she needed. Of course, she just wanted to show off her car a little more. So we go in there, we do that, and then she's getting ready to pull out of the parking lot. I am behind her. Stay with me. It gets better. I am sitting here. There are two cars, and then there is Kaylee. And about that time, Kaylee is waiting. She's holding up the line, and I know no cars are coming that way or that way, and I'm like, go, just go. Worried people would honk at her and make her nervous, right? Because, you know, we do worry that way, right? So she takes off and goes. And right before my eyes, it's as if slow motion hit, crash, a maroon van. I can still see that van in my eyes. It hit Kaylee's car and Kaylee went spinning in circles right in front of me and in my heart I began to lose it I might have been like Anna they would probably have thought I was drunk screaming at the top of my lungs oh Jesus oh God I'm watching my child spinning around in a car right in front of me and I'm freaking out I'm wondering what is she doing so she ends up it comes to a stop she's up on the divider and the it's three lanes three lanes and she's in the middle and it comes it's stops right there and I'm like oh Jesus so I like slam my car in, in park and I jump out of the car and I run over there and all these other people are running over there and I run to where she is and this man is already there trying to make sure she's okay and I'm saying excuse me excuse me I, I'm trying to get to her to make sure and he says to me leave her alone we're trying to call her parents I said I am her parent I know it's shocking that I would already be there, but you know, <laughs> I was trusting God. <laughs> Kaylee was okay, you guys, but what I'm trying to help you see is that that day fear took seed in my heart and anxiety and anxiousness began to overwhelm me. The fact that I had already buried my only son and now I watched that happen, it terrifies me to think something might happen to my children. Not only that their life would be hurt or their bodies would be broken, but it hurts my heart that they have to suffer heartache and disappointment. Doesn't it bother
bother you, Mom? Don't you wish there's some way you could keep them from experiencing those things? I can't, but I lean into the sovereignty of God. And I know that He has promised me that when I am overwhelmed, when my heart is completely overwhelmed within me, I can run to the rock that is higher than I. That I can commit to Him that thing, and I know who I believe in. I am fully persuaded that He is able to keep my children that I have committed to Him, and I can rest in that. But He also promised I could have sleep. That was really hard for me. How about you? When your kids first got a little later curfew, and you wanted to go to bed and play like you weren't worried, but you knew you weren't going to sleep until you heard them come in, right? Well, that's one of those things I really struggled with too. And I really had to pray because I could imagine everything. I could imagine them having an accident, somebody taking them. I, I was so panicked because fear and anxiety is real, Mama. But the peace of God that passes all understanding, it's also very real. In fact, he said, listen, I want you to give me everything that you're worried about, everything that you're anxious about. Don't be anxious for anything, but I want you by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I want you to let me know your problems because I promise I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. The peace of God that does not make sense will keep you when you're freaking out, when you're having problems. He also promised us sleep. He said, you can go ahead and take it easy now because God, the one who watches over Israel, the one who is continually watching, he never sleeps, he never slumbers. He's on it. You know, it's like when your mama says to you, go ahead, baby, I got it. You go take a nap. I got this. I never will forget pastor's mom would come to my house and she would take one of my girls. I'd be so exhausted. And she'd say, baby, you go in there and take a nap. You just go in there and get you some rest. I got this. <clears throat> That's what your God does all the time. You cannot be with your children all the time. But God is present and there even when they're not good, even when they misbehave, even when they do the wrong thing at Walmart. He's still there. He puts his hand on my mouth sometimes just for your sake. God promised us that we could have wisdom. He said, when you don't know what to do to help your kids, you can ask me and I'll tell you. In fact, this is what I know. I know that he will give me things that I can say to my children, that I can tell my children, that will be a deposit in their heart. And years after I'm gone, he will bring it back up and it will begin to bring fruit in their life. And they will hear my wisdom that I got from his wisdom and it will transform them. In fact, did you know that he actually said, that we train up our children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. What he's saying is everything you invest in them will come back to you. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something really important. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Every word you speak to your children will come to pass. So if you look at your children and you say, you are going to be an amazing teenager... You are going to change the world. I told Kaylee a thousand times, girl, you are going to be a lawyer because you can't even stop a fight. You cannot win a fight with, with her. And I'm like, you're going to be a lawyer. I believe God's going to do something big with you. She told me straight up, oh, no, I'm going to sing. Then you're going to be a powerful singer. God is going to use you, and I can just say those things to her. Stacy, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with your tender heart and your gentle spirit. God has great plans for you. 
I want to make sure we all know that just as powerful as my words, I can tell my, you're going to be the president. Someday you're going to run your own company. Some, I can say all those great things, but I can also say you will never amount to nothing. And it has just as much power. And it will come to pass prophetically just as strong as if I called them blessed. I can say negative things over them. You little ring-tailed tutor. Really, is that so cute? No, necessary, but not really appropriate, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Next time you want to call your child something, because I have to admit, I called Kaylee a whiny, honey, wild child. That is what I said. <laughs> but I asked God to forgive me for that thing, and he reminded me of another promise that no weapon formed against her will prosper. <laughs> He said we could train him up. He said we could trust him with him. He said we could find sleep and he would give his beloved sweet sleep. I told my children a lie once, but may not have been a lie. I think I can prove it now. It, let's call it a hypothesis. I sat beside their beds before they go to sleep at night and I said to them all the time as they were little growing up, baby, you know it's a proven fact that if the little girl goes to sleep with a smile on her face, she will wake up in the morning looking prettier than the day before. Hmm. I think it's proved out with my kids. I don't know about yours, but my kids went to sleep with smiles on their face. I'll tell you one more thing I did. I would pray with them before they went to sleep, and we would decree and declare a thing because that's what God gave us permission to do. Tonight, you will have all good dreams and no bad dreams. And then I would go into the other room, go into my prayer closet and say, God, I just put you on the spot. You better not let them kids have any bad dreams tonight because I told them you wouldn't let them have any. Yeah, I love to put them on the spot. But the third thing all moms have, moms have problems. We all have problems. We also all have promises, and you just have to get into the Word of God to find them. But all moms have priorities. All moms have priorities. Now, what does that mean? Well, I will tell you, I, when I began to think about priorities and what they are I begin to think how important they are because we are living in a culture today now get ready brace yourself everybody take a deep breath you're about to get offended at me we live in a culture who tries to tell us what to believe <coughs> see I'm already getting choked it tries to tell us what to believe and what to say and what not to say. We are so politically correct that Christian families no longer hold a standard because we don't want anybody to be mad at us or our children. But I have to tell you, <coughs> this is crazy, I'm joking. I have to tell you that it made me take pause recently watching the television and seeing some things that were being done and said. And recently I had to stop and, and I had to just step back and walk away and turn off all the voices and all the noise and ask myself, what do I believe? I don't care what you think. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care what the news says. I don't care about Fox or CNN. I could care less if it's a Republican or a Democratic opinion. I don't care. What do I believe? What do I think? I don't want anyone to tell me what to think. I want to know what do I think. I'm a grown woman. So I let myself think a minute, and I made a decision. No longer will I be concerned about offending people. If you ask my opinion, I will tell you. And just since you're here today, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I'm going to take a stand today 
I, Judy Kennedy, on May the 8th, 2022, will take a stand publicly online and in front of all of you, and I will tell you that I believe fully in the sanctity of life. I will tell you that I believe that life begins when a heart beats. I believe that because I have a son who is in heaven waiting for me, and I know what it is like to walk away from him living on earth and his heart to stop beating. And I am telling you that if there is a heart beating, there's a purpose for that life. That's my opinion. You can cancel me now. I'm good with that. I, I don't care. I, re I mean, I know it sounds bad like I don't care. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to upset you or anything. But I'm not going to choose between the truth of God that he settled in my heart and your feelings being hurt or you being offended. I can be kind. I would never be unkind to anyone. I have sweet friends who've had abortions. Please hear me now. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to be real with you. I know what I think. You need to figure out what you think. And my priority is that when I sit with my children, when I rise up, when they go to bed at night, when they get up in the morning, when we sit at the table, when we walk in the way, everything that we do, my choice is to take what I truly believe to be right and to pour it into my children so I can change the generation that is to come and they're not going to let other people define them. That no one else will tell them what they are who they are or what they believe. They will make that decision in the protection of, first of all, the closest people to them. God gave me my children as a holy trust. And I, even if we disagree, they will know what I truly believe. I'm not, I'm not going to shape it for everybody else to be happy, but I will also teach them kindness and consideration for the thoughts and opinions of others because everyone can have an opinion but let God be the truth and all men be a liar. It's just my opinion. I'm determined to do that because I want to make sure that my personal beliefs are lined up first with God's word and then I want to make sure I pass that on to my children. Now, I'm in a season of life where I have so many beautiful young women who have given me a new title. I always thought I'd be grandmother first, but it's okay. They call me Mama Judy. I love that because I get an opportunity to speak to so many young people all across the world. I get to look at them and talk to them about using their voice for kingdom purpose. But they also ask my opinion about so many things. And I'm thankful that I can say, now listen, I could give you my opinion of this, but that's not what God's asked me to do. God has asked me to give you the truth that's found in the word. So if they ask for my opinion, I give them the word, and I have now made the word my opinion. I want to make sure I lead according to the principles of God because Judy, she has some problems. Okay, let's talk about spiritual disciplines, and then we'll be through. You don't have to panic. We're almost there, okay? Here's the spiritual disciplines. If I will take myself and present myself to God and say, God, the things I don't know, will you teach me? The things my children need to do and to know, will you show me? Will you help me to shape and to form the generation behind me in such a way that they will know their God and they will experience your favor? I used to pray that they would, that God, you know, God get them if they do anything wrong. God, you just watch them in the midnight hour. No, huh? Now I say, God, would you give them double portion of my favor? 
Whoa, now I think about, Lord, think about this. I told the, uh, the first service earlier, when we came to, to Dallas, I'm going to tell you this real fast. When we came to Dallas, we left Tyler, Texas, and that's where we had pretty much uh, pastored for several years. And I knew I was coming back to Dallas, but honestly, if I'm just being real with you, I did not want to come because I loved the safety of a small town with one little elementary school. And my children were in like a cocoon, a perfect place to be safe. They could run and play and I wasn't worried all the time about them but now God calls us to leave everything we know and to come back to the Dallas area now in my mind I had pictured such safety away from Dallas and Dallas to me had become Sodom and Gomorrah it's like I don't want to send my kids to public school there they'll get shot I don't I don't want to bring my kids back I don't want to do this I wanted to be close to my mom that was it if I could have moved my mom to Tyler, I'd have stayed in Tyler. But I wanted to be close to my parents, and I wanted to obey God. But I wasn't happy. So we were exiting off of 635. I can tell you the moment I can take you to the place. We were driving down 635 LBJ Freeway, and we exited Cyan Military Parkway. There's a ramp that goes down like this until you stop, and we turn. And we were coming down the ramp, and immediately I heard God speak to me. I know you now you know I'm crazy, right? So I heard God speak clearly to me, and this is what God said. Judy, because I'm mad. I'm not happy. I'm, I'm not looking forward to going to this church. I don't even want to do this. Judy, I am bringing you in to providential favor. <laughs> or what? providential favor I thought oh so if I'll just crucify my flesh and submit to your will then I'll be blessed oh yeah that's right <laughs> he said he was bringing me into providential favor I did not see that the first year or the second year or the third year but about the fourth year I began to see favor happening in my life by the fifth year all of a sudden I'm really experiencing it and from that point till now I have had favor I never dreamed I would have great and amazing things have happened in my life that I never thought would happen now I know what you're saying well that's great but what does that have to do with your kids God promised me that that favor would not only be upon me but on my family my children children so I know I may live or not live to see grandchildren but I know they will have favor because God promised it on the next generation to the next in fact he promised it on a thousand generations but for me he said your family and your children and your children's children I love that I think that is an amazing thing now let me tell you something that happened I realized that if I'm going to have problems covered by promises I'm going to have to fix my priorities and I realized that I do have to learn and get into the word of God but I also have to live the word of God because my children will always be what I am not what I say I am so I want to tell you what happened with little Johnny. There's a little boy named Johnny. He goes to church. It's like New Life Sunday, and they're going to dedicate his little sister to the Lord. It's such a sweet moment, and the pastor is there giving the challenge to the family, and Johnny is just eating it up, just watching and taking in everything that's being said. And they get in the car to go home that afternoon. They're on their way home, and all of a sudden, Johnny just burst into tears. He is weeping and just falling apart. Now, 
He, he, he just can't even communicate. He's so upset. And the parents are like, what is happening? So they pull the car over to the side of the road. They turn to Johnny. What is going on, son? What is the matter? He goes, well, that, that preacher today, he said that he wanted our family, he, he wanted us to grow up in a, in a Christian family, in a Christian home. And I just want to stay with you guys. Because it really doesn't matter, does it, how old they are. They can see reality. They can see our priorities. They know if it's important or not to attend and, and gather with others who believe like we believe. They know if it's important to have a moment with our family where we pray. They know. You know what's so interesting? Uh, Kaylee has a friend she's, she's uh, been seeing. He's a sweet guy, and, he, and he's coming to visit with us, and, and he, he comes at a time when we decide, we usually when we go on like spring break, we're going we're gonna to have family prayer. So we decide we're going to have prayer one time. We're on break, and we have prayer, and we say we're, we're going to pray. That's what we do kind of, you know, you're welcome to join us. We knew he'll be a great fit just in case he hangs around a little longer because he joined us in prayer but what my children know from that lifestyle is that prayer is a priority they know if they want to know dad where is so and so in the bible they're pretty sure he can tell them why because they have lived long enough in a christian household where they recognize the bible is a priority they will expect their husband to only treat them as good as their daddy treats me why? Because they've only lived in a home where they've only seen a man of God treat a woman of God with honor. It's amazing the things they take in when we don't even know they're watching. May God help us form those priorities so that his favor will rest on us and so that it will rest on our children and so that it will rest on our children's children. Now, if you're a mom in the place today, I want you to stand. If you're a mother, go ahead and stand. If you, are, if you are a woman who determines someday you will be a mother, I would like for you to stand. If you're a female in the house today, according to the way you were born, I would like for you to stand. I speak the favor of God over you and over your children and over your children's children. I can do that because I have been given authority by the Holy Spirit of God to decree what God has already spoken. I only say what the Father said. And He said He would give you favor, your children favor, and your children's children. So I asked Kaylee, would you just sing the chorus of this one song for me at the end? Because I want our mothers for one moment to just imagine what the favor of God looks like on your life. What does God's favor look like and feel like? I want you to know what does it taste like? Can you imagine God's favor not only on you, but what does it look like for your children to have God's favor? Can you think about that for just a moment? Can we just close our eyes and allow God to let us think and imagine and dream things for our families just in a few moments that we never imagined? Can we just do that together? Let's close our eyes a second.